Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, today we're going to continue to talk about temptations, tests, trials, and deserts. And uh, my notes say this is part four. So, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to do a couple more weeks, but I have no idea how long we'll go. But I've told you before, I never get done, so it doesn't matter. All right. But I want to go back to Romans chapter 12, right? Now, there are t- the first two verses of Romans chapter 12 are the most important two verses in the Bible on a victorious Christian life, right? They are the key to victorious Christian living, these first two verses. So these are for, this, this, this is what should happen to every single Christian. And this should happen early on, right? Romans 1, 12, verse 1. And I've got the uh, Amplified Classic translation here. And somebody says, what does that mean? Well, this is the woman's Bible. And you say, why? Well, it says the same thing, but it takes more words. So it's, it's a little, hey, hey, listen, listen. So it's clearer. It's clearer to get the point across. All right. So here we go. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties. Think about this. Your entire body, all of its desires, all of its faculties as a living sacrifice devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So it's saying that we need to take and make a decisive dedication of our bodies. Now, we've mentioned this, and you're going to hear this again as we're in this series. But when you become a Christian, something happens on the inside. God makes your spirit new. If anyone is in Christ, the Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're new on the inside. You get a new nature on the inside, but you do not get a new body. Your body is the same body that you used to have. Romans 7 verse 23 says the law of sin abides in your members or in your body. So you say, I'm a Christian, your spirit's a Christian, but your body is a heathen. Your body is crazy. Your body wants to do crazy stuff. And and, and in fact, notice that the apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, he said, I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection. At least when I have preached to others, I myself could become disqualified or a castaway. Now notice he says, I, the real you, the spirit, I bring it, your body. Your body is not you. Your body's it. Your body is the house that you live in. Your spirit lives in this body. 
So he's saying, my spirit takes authority over my body because my body's crazy. That's what Paul says. And his body's crazy. My body's crazy. Anybody here have a crazy body? Okay. And I like to look at it like this, that Samson was God's strongest man. He had problems with his body. David was God's best man. He had problems with his body. Solomon was God's wisest man. He had problems with his body. And Paul, come on, he wrote almost half the New Testament, and he had problems with his body. You and I are probably going to have a crazy body too, right? And he says, I got to take care of that thing. I got to bring it into subjection, right? So how is it done? Well, one of the ways is right here. You make a decisive dedication of your body to God. You say, God, I give you my body. I I present all of my members, all my faculties, all my desires, and I present this to you. And I give this to you as a sacrifice. I worship you and I give you my body. Now, you do that. You make a decisive decision, right? But I want to tell you that this morning before I got out of bed, I did that. And I did that yesterday before I got out of bed. And I did that Friday before I got out of bed. Now, I don't know about you, but my body's crazy. Right? And it's not, you, you do it once, but it's not just a one-time thing. Right? Anytime that you're going to have problems with your body, you rise up and you say, no, no, no. I dedicate this body to God. The Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians, excuse me, it says that you were bought with a price and your body belongs to God. Right? Everybody still here? No? Your body belongs to God. So we need to dedicate that to God. Now, it says it's going to be a living sacrifice. Normally, you take the, 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 the sacrifice and you kill it and you put it on the altar. But it says your body will be a living sacrifice. In other words, your body, you're going to put your body on the altar and your body is going to go, no, I want that. I want to do that. No, no, no. And you're going to say, shut up. Right? We're serving God. We, we, we are a representation of the kingdom of God. And I am going to worship him and I'm going to serve him with my body. So you don't listen to your body. That's verse one. Verse two follows verse one. And it's important in, in literally in, we say this, in, in how the Christian life functions. First, we dedicate our body. Then we do something with our head. Now, the Bible refers to this as your soul, your mind, right? Uh, verse two says, don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Right? So we have to do something with our body. We present it to God. Remember, God did something with your spirit, right? So now he says, you do something with your body, right? You present it to me as a living sacrifice. And then it says you need to do something with your mind. Because when you get saved, your mind is just as messed up as it was before. You still have all the same stinking thinking, right? And we regularly need a checkup from the neck up, right? Because we've got this stinking thinking. The world around us every day is pumping stuff into us, right? And we've got to keep that purified. And and this is literally, it is a continual process. You will never finish renewing your mind because this world is constantly pumping stuff 
into us. So how does he do it? By changing the way that we think. And again, literally, God gave us the Bible to change how we think. When you read the Bible, you are literally thinking God's thoughts. This is God speaking to you and to me. Different translations, same verse. It says, don't change yourself to be like the people of this world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Let God change you on the inside. So before there's going to be an outside change, there has to be a inside change. That's why the Bible says to work out your salvation, because your salvation takes place, first of all, on the inside. And then you got to get it working on the outside. Right? So then the King James Bible says that you may know what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. So many times through the years, I, I, I literally could not tell you how many times this has happened. Somebody comes up and this is what they say. You know, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I just don't know what the will of God is. But the Bible says when we renew our minds, we will know that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, Romans, that was our kind of like our introduction, kind of bringing everybody up to speed. Now, Romans 13, verse 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Now, he's writing to the church at Rome. These are Christian people, right? And, and he says, look, your body, your flesh has got some lust. He, he says, you make no provision for the flesh. Now, here's what that means. Let me give you real practical. If you have a problem with alcohol, do not keep a fifth of Jack Daniels in the basement just in case you want to drink. Because your flesh will want to drink. Right? You make no provision for the flesh. Right? You, you look ahead. Um, you, you make sure on your device there's some sort of protection. You've got covenant eyes on your device. You don't give the devil a chance. Right? He says, make no provision for the flesh. And then I wanted to take us over to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. Right? Now, when Jesus came to preaching, Jesus' message was, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. It's available. It's now. It's for you. Right? Repent and believe the gospel or the message. So it's repent because the kingdom's here. Repent and believe the gospel. The gospel is the good news about the kingdom. Right? So there's two things. There's one, there's a turning away. You're repenting. You're turning away from one thing, but you're embracing the kingdom, right? So Hebrews 6, verse 1, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. So these are the fundamental, fundamental doctrines. And look at the, it's in, the order is important. The first one, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. This is the foundation of Christianity. Repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So there's the repentance, which is turning away, and then faith towards God. So we turn away from the world, but we turn towards God. Now, literally, there can be no Bible faith without Bible repentance. There has to be a turning away before we turn to. 
Some people just want to turn to, and they don't want to turn away. They want to be like the world. But that's what the Bible is telling us. You need to turn away from the world. Um, When Peter preaches the first sermon on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has fallen. Peter gets up and preached. And it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the hearts. He preaches a sermon. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. Turn. Turn. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So you're turning from the world and you're turning to God. Turning from, turning to. Now, now I, I love the rest of this. And then it says that he continued to exhort them. This is what he said. He said, be saved from this perverse generation. Now, I thought he was going to say, be saved from hell. But if you're a Christian, you are saved from hell, right? But he said, be saved from this perverse generation. He's saying, we as believers are not supposed to be like the world. Don't let the world cram you into its mold, but be changed by the way that you think. Now, when a person comes to Christ, I, I remember um, the night that I came to Christ. Now, I had been brought up in the church, and I knew a lot about the Bible, and I believed in God. I believed that Jesus had died, that he rose again, but I wasn't living for God. I wasn't right with God, and I knew I wasn't right with God. I knew all the right things, but I wasn't living the right things. And so Bruce Roberts shares the gospel with me after a Sunday night service. And uh, I remember getting down on my knees. He said, we're going to pray. And one of the verses that he gave me was this Romans 10, verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this is what the unbeliever does. They confess Jesus as their Lord. Now, if I had had to confess all my sins, I still wouldn't be saved. Because number one, there were so many. And number two, I forgot half of them. Right? If you had to confess all your sins to get saved, how many of you know you'd be, you would not be saved? But what you need to do is turn your back on the world and confess Jesus. That's faith towards God. So you're, you're moving away from the world moving away from this, this culture, moving away from living for yourself, and you say, God, I'm coming to you, right? I'm going to live for you. And I, I'm not part of the kingdom of this world now. I'm part of the kingdom of God, right? I'm going to be living different. So the sinner does not come and confess every one of their sins. The sinner comes and confesses Jesus as their Lord. And literally what salvation is, is it's changing kingdoms. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, that you're translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. So you confess Jesus as Lord and you're taken out of the kingdom of darkness and you're put into the kingdom of the son of his love. But now as a Christian, when we miss it, now literally the word sin means to miss the mark. The pitcher is an archer shooting at a target, right? And they miss the target, that's sin. So when we miss the mark, we miss what we know we should do. We sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, by the way, the word confess there does not just mean, God, I did this. The word confess there means to say the same thing. So what we're doing is we're coming to God and we're saying, God, 
I was wrong. I agree with you. It was wrong. And I'm turning my back on that. You see, that's repentance. You're turning your back. You're agreeing with God. It's wrong, God. And I'm asking you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, repentance is not something we do one time. It is literally an attitude of the believer. Every time that we miss it, we go to God. And we don't run from God, we run to God. The devil always tries to counterfeit whatever God does. So the devil has a counterfeit called condemnation. And this is what condemnation says. You miss it. You do something. And the devil says, God's mad at you. I can't believe you even think you're a Christian. God is not going to bless you. God is not going to use you. God is not going to answer your prayers. The, the, the heavens are going to be like brass because nothing that you ask God for is going to happen. You are such a worm. You're a worm. Uh, Jeannie and I were missionaries for, for seven years, and we lived in an Indian village for a few years. And I used to sing a song in the village. I'm a worm. I'm a worm. I'm a maggot in the dust. Now, I'm going to just tell you something. Whoever wrote that song was listening to the devil. Right? That's the condemnation is the devil's counterfeit of God's conviction. See, now, listen, conviction says this. God loves you. You know, the Bible says he'll never leave you or forsake you. Leave you means he will never physically leave you. But forsake you means he'll never turn his heart away from you. See, the Holy Spirit says, God loves you. God has great things for you. Come to God. Turn from that. And God's grace and God's mercy and God's favor is going to flow to you. God has a plan for your life. And it's to give you a future and a hope. That's, That's the Holy Spirit. He draws you. But the devil condemns you. And so many people think that the devil is the voice of the Holy Spirit. But it is not. I will give you a couple examples. First of all, in the book of Job, Job is attacked. And, he's, and, and you can read the account, and Satan goes out and he attacks Job. The Bible said he smote him with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. He attacked his family. He attacked his finances. And because Job can't read the Bible, because there isn't any yet, He thinks that God's doing this. But this is what he says. Here's a few of the things that Job said. I am pure and without transgression. I am innocent and there is no iniquity in me. 34th chapter, I am righteous, but God has taken away my justice. How about this one? I am more righteous than God. How many of you know you got a few problems? Now, what happens is God reveals himself to Job. And Job runs to God. As long as Job is mad at God and blaming God, he's in this this, this situation. But once he turns to God, he says, I abhor myself. He says, I repent. I repent in dust and ashes. And just a few verses later, God turns his captivity. So often people blame God for things that are going on in this world. Let me me illustrate this. Uh, 1974. I went to Bible college in, in Dallas, Texas. Um, I rode my motorcycle down to, to Texas. In fact, when I met Jeannie, I didn't even have a car. All I had was a motorcycle. Right? And I still have like scars where she would. You know, 
just grabbed me so tight and she was so afraid and I just loved it. You know. But anyhow, so going, to, going down to Bible college, I'm going with Doug Bergsma and Beth Sizeward. I got my motorcycle. Those two are in a car. and We got all our stuff in their car. And, and we get down to, to Dallas and uh, go to the registrar's office and find out where Beth's going to be living. And so we're taking her stuff up to her room, boxes out of her room. And, and literally across the courtyard in this apartment complex, there's this really tall brunette girl. And Doug, like, boom, look at her. Holy smokes. Oh, is she hot? Who is she? Wow, before the day's done, he found out. She's the assistant dean of women, and her name is Barb. But we're there to study the Bible, right? And he's just like, Barb, Barb, did you see Barb? You see what Barb had on today? I talked with Barb. I bought Barb a donut. Barb and Barb, Barb, Barb. And I literally, I said to him one day, I said, we are here to study the Bible. And he said to me, well, Barb and I, we're going to go to McDonald's and we're going to study the Bible. <laughs> I thought to go into a prayer meeting. Well, Barb and I, we're going to pray later on. My Barb, Barb prays. Oh, God, she prays. She's a prayer world. Barb, 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 Barb. I'm like, oh, Barb, 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 Barb. So we're roommates, you know. And we, we are in this little dinky apartment. Okay? In fact, it used to be a hotel room. And, and there's two little single beds. There is a table with two little chairs. And that table is not as big, I don't think, as this podium. Right? And there's a little bathroom off to the side. So it's middle of the night. He's smitten with Barb. And I did not know this, but Doug sleepwalks. And he gets up in the middle of the night, and he is dreaming. And he dreams, I am Barb. <laughs> no, I'm serious. This is, not this. this is gospel, okay? So, so he gets up. I think he's going to the... You know, I kind of wake up, but I don't want to wake up. I mean, you know what I'm talking about when, you know, somebody else moves in the room and you're, you know, you're just, they're moving and, and I didn't think anything. He's using the bathroom, but I'm not waking up, you know. Well, he gets right next to me and gets on his knees. And he's thinking, man, it, it wouldn't be right to do anything, but I could give her a kiss. So he gets down on his knees right next to me and he whispers in my ear and he says, Barb, I love you. And he lays a kiss on my lips, on my lips. Listen, I hit him. I hit him so hard. I knocked him across his bed into the wall. I'm like, you took my man card, but I'm getting it back. You know? I mean, I, come on. All right. So I literally, I'm like, I got to get in the bathroom. You know, wash my mouth with soap. And, uh, and, and, and he, you know, and I'm like, ah, you know, and he's like, oh, I thought you were Barb. And I'm like, do I look like Barb? You know, so, so he explains what happened, you know, and we have a big laugh, you know, but every day it's Barb, 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 Barb. Well, like six weeks later, they're engaged. All right. End of the semester. Uh, I think like two days later, they're married, right? He doesn't come back to school. They move up here. He becomes a worship later at, uh, at a church. And uh, he, his, his wife and daughter, he's got uh, five kids at the time. Wife and one of his daughters are taking their dog to the vet. Somebody runs a stop sign, <laughs> hits some broadside. Both of them were instantly killed. And, and I, I remember getting the call. And literally, I could not even tell Jeannie what happened. I couldn't talk. I, I was just like, oh, my gosh. Um, I got in my car, went over to his house. 
he greeted me at the door, and uh, I mean, we just hugged, we cried, we prayed, we worshiped. Somebody said, why did that happen? I haven't got a clue. Don't have a clue. How many of you know if you serve very long, you'll see something that you don't have a clue? You will. Uh, there's two things I would say about that. First, the secret things belong to the Lord. Deuteronomy 29. Things that are revealed belong to us and to our children, but the secret things belong to the Lord. There's some things you just won't understand. No. It's, it's in Philippians chapter 4 where it says, the peace of God that passes understanding. You know, sometimes you have to give up your right to understand, and God will give you peace. Now, he may show you sometime, but you just need to be willing to give up the right to understand because in this life, you won't understand everything. Right? But, but here's what I wanted to say about this. I have seen people go through similar situations, and they get mad at God, right? and they blame God. They blame God. Now, 1 John 5, verse 9 says, we know positively that we're of God, and the whole world around us is under the control of the devil. Right? Jesus said, the devil, the thief, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He said, but I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. He said, I did not come to destroy men's lives. I came to save men's lives. Right? This is what I know, that before the devil ever showed up, there was no sickness or disease or famine. There was none of it. And once he's gone, there's none of it. How many of you know who's the author? Do I understand it all? No, I don't understand it all. But I do understand the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan is the God, small g, of this world. Right? And he's the one who brings death and destruction and sickness and disease and famine and war and racism and every other evil thing that you can think of. He's the author of those things. But here's what I saw. I saw Doug... Instead of running from God, run to God. Run to God. And, and, and I, I watched as God blessed him. Now, it, I think it's 20, that was 25 years ago that Barb died. I think it's been 20 years since we sent him up to Rockford. You know, he pastors the Resurrection Life Church in Rockford. I think there are probably 3,000 people up there, right? Um, God has richly blessed his life, right? Now, that happened because he ran to God and didn't run away from God. And so often, when things happen in our life, we run from God instead of to God. I would take Job as an example, but when he ran to God, God turned his captivity. When Doug had something he didn't understand, he didn't run from God, he ran to God, right? And, and he's the one who said, I will never leave you physically. I will never forsake you. I will never turn my heart away from you. Right? The devil will tell you God's mad, God's the cause, God's the problem, but the exact opposite is the truth. The exact opposite. Now, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by Satan to do his will. Having been taken captive by him, by Satan, to do his will. Now, there's two things I want to point out here. One is notice 
that God grants repentance. God can grant repentance to people. Repentance is a blessing. It's a blessing from heaven when the Holy Spirit moves on you and there is repentance. Now, anytime the Holy Spirit moves on a person, you can say no. Right? The Bible talks about hardening your heart. Right? And when you say no to the Holy Spirit, it hardens your heart. People believe, I can sin and nothing will happen. It won't affect me. But that is not true. Right? Because what happens is it hardens your heart. The, the deceitfulness of sin is it tells you it will not change me, but it will change you. you know? it, it will harden your heart towards God. Right? The Bible says the results are you suppress the truth with unrighteousness, or literally you choke truth with evil. Right? You become futile in your thoughts as a result of sin. One translation says your thoughts are complete nonsense. Boy, when, when, I, when I read that, I thought, yeah, that's where we're at today. We've got this, this wokeness. We've got this cancel culture. We've got people that are going to save whales and kill babies. Right? Their thoughts are complete nonsense. And it says your foolish heart is darkened. You literally do not know right from wrong when you continue to say no to the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, Paul is writing to believers married to unbelievers. This is what he said. You do not know, O wife, whether you will be able to save your husband. And you do not know, O husband, whether you'll be able to save your wife. Now, if there was just something that you could do, and it, they had to get saved, God would make them get saved, how many of you know Paul would have told us what to do? But he says, you don't know. He says, you can pray. You can do the right things. And the Spirit of God will move on them. But they can say no. They can resist the Spirit of God. So here it says that there's, there's two things that are needed, all right? First of all is proper teaching. He says, able to teach, all right? Correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance. When we believe wrong things, we do wrong things. And when we believe wrong things, we embrace wrong things. And that's why it is so important to constantly be around the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God, right? It corrects us, right? And then when we get corrected, God grants us repentance. And let me just close with one more, one more thought. David, in Psalms 51, has committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he's repenting before God. Now, I know there's many friends, even some of my friends will say, this is just Old Testament. Right? Granted, it's happening in the Old Testament. But we need to understand that in the Old Testament, there were two things there was no forgiveness for, just two, right? Adultery and murder. David did both of them, right? So he is really, he is transcending the Old Covenant, right? And there, there's things in this verse that are, in this chapter that are Old Covenant, but there's things that are definitely New Covenant, right? And this is what he says in verse 10. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. You know, when, when we give ourselves to sin, the Bible says you are taken captive by the devil right, to do his will. Now, for you to be doing, listen, to you to be doing or me to be doing his will, our will has to be passive. Right? You are no longer resisting. There is something that you know is wrong in your heart, but yet you've just given yourself over to it. And there's just nothing in you that resists it anymore. 
The Bible says when that happens, you have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. Right? But he says, create in me a clean heart. Let me see sin the way you see sin. Right? You see, repentance is not saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you don't like it. I'm sorry that I got caught and these are the consequences. Right? Both of those are simply remorse. Those are not repentance. Right? That's remorse. I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry for the consequences. I'm sorry you don't like it. That, that's not forgive. So he says, create in me a clean heart. Let me see sin the way you see sin and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Give me the strength on the inside to say no the next time that temptation comes. Right? David prayed for that. Right? And again, he, 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 he transcended the Old Testament. Uh, he, he's, he's receiving a forgiveness that was not available under the, the Old Covenant. Right? And I believe with all my heart that it's something that when we're, come, we're seeking repentance from God, that we need to do the same thing. We need to say, God created me a clean heart. Pray it and say, God, let me see sin the way you see sin. Not the way culture sees it, the way you see it. And create a steadfast, give me strength in my spirit so the next time that devil shows up, that temptation shows up, I've got the strength to say no. In Jesus' name, go. That's what we need to do. In Jesus' name, go. Say, would you bow your heads for just a moment, Father? I pray right now for each and every one of us. I pray, Father, that you grant us repentance. I pray, Father, that you create in us a clean heart to see sin like you see sin. And I pray, Father, that you fortify us, that you strengthen us in our spirits. Lord, that the next time the devil shows up, temptation shows up, we say no. We've got the inner strength. Our will is intact by the Spirit of God. And we say no to that thing. And we're free in Jesus' name. Now, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you can, though, if you came with somebody, would you take their hand? And if you're online and you're sitting there with somebody, would you take their hand? Now, the, I, I've said this so many times. The Bible has the answers. But the Bible also has the questions, not just the answers. It's got the greatest questions. The Bible says, what is your life? What's your life? And if I were to ask today, what's, what's your life? L literally, somebody would say, my life's my family. Somebody else would say, my life's my job. My, my life's good. My, my life's bad. My life's going great. But the Bible answers the question, what is your life? It says your life is just like a vapor that's here for a moment and it's gone. It says it's like when you, you go outside on a cold morning and you, you breathe and you, you see your breath and in a few seconds it's gone. He says that's what your life is like in light of eternity. It, it's just so short. And, and then the, the Bible has another great question. It says, what will the end be? What will the end be? Well, the Bible makes it very clear that the end, there's only two things that can happen at the end. We're going to spend an eternity in God's presence, in the joy of the Lord, or we're going to spend an eternity separated from Him. It's just A or B. There's not a hundred options. You don't get to decide. Well, you can decide today, but you can't decide when you die. It's something you do now. What will the end be? The end will either be heaven or the end will be hell. 
And then another great question. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be right with God? And the answer is quite simple. It's believe. It's take yourself out of your own keeping. It's saying, turn your back on your old life and stop living to please yourself. Stop being a reflection of your culture and turn to God and be a part of his kingdom. Give him your heart, give him your life and live for him. And if you will do that, you will be saved. You will be saved. So if you're away from God, I'm gonna pray this prayer and I'm gonna ask everybody to pray this prayer with us. But if you will pray this prayer, from your heart, and you will make these words your own. When we say amen, you're going to be right with God. You're going to do the, the thing that anyone needs to do to be saved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. My way of getting to God will not work. My way of pleasing God will not work, nor will yours. There's just one way, and that's Jesus' way. So I want you to pray this prayer out loud. Make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm not living for myself any longer. I am living for Jesus. And I thank you. You have heard my prayer. That I'm forgiven that I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.